0: Good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to part three of the series that we've been in for a few weeks now called Hometown. Today we're going to be talking about our language and how we need to speak positive words. I wonder uh, this morning if you've ever been in a situation that I think we all at some point in our life, we we get in a situation where you overhear something that you wish you hadn't heard. And I'm not talking about eavesdropping because I know that sometimes we eavesdrop and there's like intentional overhearing. But what about the time where you like walk into a room and two people are having a conversation and you hear something, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. I wish I hadn't just heard that. Maybe it's a negative comment about somebody. Maybe it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're just like, man, I wish, I wish I didn't know that. I wish I hadn't heard that. It's just like, maybe it drains you a little bit. Maybe it's different for you. Maybe it's not a conversation that you had uh, with, with someone like that. But maybe, maybe it's one of those times where you read something online. You know, you, you, you're check, you're, all you're doing is you're trolling a little Facebook, you know, you're watching somebody's Twitter feed, and, and you see a comment or something, and it just kind of, uh, it just kind of makes you feel like, man, I, I wish I hadn't read that. I, I wish I could have got offline before I saw that comment, or before I saw that post, or before I read that paragraph, and it's one of those things that I, I just feel like we live in this really, really negative world. And it's amazing how much you can learn about someone by reading their Facebook post, right? It, it's also amazing today to know that uh, Fortune 500 companies, I would say the majority of them do an online background check now. Did you know that? So you not only get the criminal like security uh, governmental background check now, but a lot of, there's a lot of firms that are uh, coming into the world now that will actually do an online background check. And what they do is they'll look at everything that you've ever put online. And they'll make determinations about your behavior based on what you post. And when you hear something like that, you're like, wow, wait a minute. There was this one day last year where I was really worked up and angry and I got online and I said this. And You know, we want to live a life in Christ where we don't live with regrets. Where we don't have to second guess what we said or what someone heard or what someone read from us. But the Bible says that our words define us. The Bible even says that the words that we speak with our mouth actually reveal what's inside of our hearts. Now, if you hear that this morning and you think back to maybe just this week or in the last 24 hours, what would the words you have spoken say about your heart? One way to inventory our spiritual health, I think, is to pay attention to our words. If we're going to really love our hometown, if we're really going to love where we live, then I believe that the influence we have is more powerful and more believable if we have a pure testimony. Christians should act differently. They should love differently. And they should talk differently than the world. We must walk out the difference that we claim in Christ Jesus. And one way that we can make this happen is in our speech to speak the way God demands his children to speak to speak the truth but to speak it in love and in grace there's no way I could say this better this morning than to just read passages of scripture so that's what we're going to do we're going to begin this morning with Matthew chapter 12 Matthew chapter 12 so if you have your bible this morning turn it Matthew chapter 12 Matthew is the first book of the New Testament if you didn't bring a bible this morning please grab the one that we've provided for you turn it to page 817 and you'll be right there at Matthew chapter 12, and then as always, you're welcome to connect with us through the app, and uh, that's available on Android and iPhone, all of the devices you can get in the app. There's all the sermon notes are there, all the scriptures are there, we'd love to have you uh, follow along with the message that way. So Matthew chapter, chapter 12, and, and let me give you just a little bit of a background here. Uh, Jesus has just healed a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute for his whole life. And the Pharisees are, are sick of seeing Jesus do miracles. They're sick of Him getting all this credit and validation. They're sick of Him getting the attention, and so they're trying to discredit Jesus. And just in the Scriptures before here, it uh, says the people were amazed, and they were starting to think, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Son of David, they say? And the Pharisees said, no, no. Whatever works Jesus, this Jesus character does, He does them in the name of evil. These are evil spirits that are bringing about this healing, not not... Holy Spirits, not not things of God. And so Jesus begins to correct them, as He does so many times. Talks about their behavior toward the Almighty God, the Father in Heaven. And then as the same discourse is going on, we get to our passage today. And I don't know what your subheading says, perhaps, in your Bible. Mine says, The tree, it's known by its fruit. It's a great summary of this passage. Beginning Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. That's, that's one of my favorite illustrations in the Bible. Is a tree is known by its fruit. Don't, don't, don't come in here and be like I'm an apple tree, and then all you're growing is bananas on your tree. It's like, you are known by your fruit. You can claim to be an apple tree, but if you're producing bananas, or you're producing oranges, or you're producing, you know... Something else you I mean it's just plain as day, right? I mean we read that we like, oh duh. I mean, you know, okay, so a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. Now, here's Jesus, you have to understand who he's talking to here. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious elitists, the ones that are trying to discredit him. And then he says this, You brood of vipers. In modern vernacular, we might say, You pack of snakes. And then he says this, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's one of those verses just like, oh. You start thinking about the way that you've talked this week. Man, out of the abundance of the heart. Some translations uh, say out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. It's interesting when you get down uh, there to verse 37, because it kind of becomes a little bit theological here. We've got to understand what is Jesus saying here. For by your words, you will be justified before God. That's when you make a confession of faith. That's when you say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And so we make a confession, a proclamation of our faith in Jesus Christ. So by your words, you'll be justified. But if we never make that proclamation in our life, it says also, but by your words, you'll be condemned. You see, the point of this that we have to understand and where we begin this morning is that your speech reveals your heart. Your speech reveals your heart. It is a part of the fruit of your inner self. That what is inside your heart and inside your life is going to come out your mouth at some point. And that's what he's saying here. If there's goodness in your heart, if there's a walk with Christ, if there's a love and admiration there, good things are going to come from your mouth. But if you have corruption in there, if you're fighting some sinful battles that you're trying to hide, then at some point that's going to come out of your mouth as well. And all your speech really does is just reveal your heart and where you're at. Let's look at another passage that talks about this in a little more detail, gives some great illustrations. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. If you're following along in one of our Bibles, just turn, to, turn it to page 1012. 1012 is where James chapter 3 is. Here in the book of James, is a book about just practical application and this this book kind of just tells you how do you walk the Christian life how do you honor God how do you walk out your faith to be a true Christian and this is what it says and in the, in the, the subheading of this section is taming the tongue not many of you should become teachers my brothers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness it's why so many people today maybe shy away from some type of teaching position in the church, whether you be uh, teaching a class or, or uh, you know, teaching or a preaching. It's because the power of that influence can lead so many people astray, right? So you really need to watch your words. You need to make sure your doctrine's checked. You need to make sure you understand what the Lord is saying. You need to preach only the gospel, only Christ crucified. And, and that's what really what it's talking about there is that there's influence in your words, so if you're in leadership and you're a teacher and you're influencing people, do so very, very wisely. In verse 2 it says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, all able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large, they are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member of the body, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. With it, we bless the Lord and our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. These things shouldn't be happening. I love it there in James in verses three through five because he, he illustrates the great potential of the tongue and how it's used and it's influential even to change direction in life. Like the bit that controls a horse. Now, if you're horse people or you know horse people, they can explain this to you quite simply. Then when they put that bit in the horse and they just do a little tug here, a little tug here, a little pull back, a little, a little slap with the strap, just a little bit of steering with that bit controls the whole animal. I mean, you've seen this, you've probably seen it on television, maybe you've even uh, seen it when horses are working, maybe you've even seen it in the context of a rodeo, but you see how this bit in the mouth of that horse controls the whole animal, just a a little bit here and there. Then he gives the illustration of a ship, and and I've been on one cruise in my life, and I remember this enormous ship, I think our ship had like 1,500 people on it. So you have 1,500 people on this boat. And you look at this thing, you're thinking, man, this thing, the engines are so big. But the rudder is really relatively small to the size of the boat. A lot of times when you get on those boats, they'll kind of give you a background to, to what it's like. And what we say here in Scripture is that this enormous boat is controlled. The whole direction of it is controlled by this tiny little rudder. And it's a call to us as Christians Oh, church, oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, control this object in your mouth because it sets the direction of your life. Could we make a ship and a horse go wrong direction? How much more can the tongue do the same? Have you ever had someone else's words send you down a wrong direction? Or maybe you've had your own words send you down the wrong path. Just like the bit and the rudder control the direction and progress of life, the power of the tongue is effective to direct the progress of our lives in right and in wrong ways. And we must ever be aware of that idle word, the questionable story, the deliberate lie, or maybe just the half-truth, the dirty joke, The passing of gossip, or the temptation to slander someone. If the tongue is properly regulated, the whole person comes under control. And James gives us this this tongue's description here, compares it to a fire, a world of evil, it says in chapter 3, verse 6. He further states that it defiles the whole body, that it sets the whole course of nature on fire. You know, when I moved to uh, Paonia, Colorado, uh, there's this little town called Cedar Edge. And, and on, the, on, on the way to Cedar Edge, as you made that turn uh, just off the highway there, you uh, saw this area where there had been a forest fire. And uh, not being, you know, around forests here in north central Oklahoma most of my life where, you know, I spent some time in Tulsa in the Dallas metro area. I just haven't really been around a lot of forests. It was amazing to see how that fire had happened. I think they had told me like 12 years before we moved there and how that fire was still seeing the effects on the earth. No vegetation. There's nothing growing there. All you see is charred remains of trees. Still blackened from the smoke and the ash and the effects of the fire. When I asked, when I moved there, and, and this wasn't a big one. This wasn't like a million acres of, of, you know, western Colorado forest was lost. This was just, you know, a couple hundred acres right there. When I asked, when I got to town about the fire and about the land, and said, so how did this start? And they said they, they believed that it was actually just something careless like a chain dragging on the ground behind a trailer that was sparking. You maybe have experienced that before. But some of those sparks, they just get off into some dry grass. It was extremely dry there. Started a little fire with the grass. Next thing you know, and you think about that, it was just a spark. It's it, it just, just a little thing, became this ginormous thing. Why is that? Why, why, why is James bringing this up to us? It's because he's trying to get us to think about the power of our words. The power of our speech and what we say. And He gives us this illustration. This wonderful illustration that just a small flame, a small spark can take the whole forest down. I mean, that's quite an indictment there in verse 6. You think about what the tongue can do. The tongue defiles. It destroys. It condemns. Sometimes maybe the tongue suggests sins. Maybe sometimes the tongue commits sins. Sometimes it condones sins. Sometimes it excuses sins. Sometimes, our tongues defend sin. You see, the tongue displays our duplicity. The tongue sometimes displays our duplicity, and that's what he's talking about there at the end of James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He's saying, you praise the Lord. You come in with a glorious hallelujah. And then you go to work on Monday and you have curse words coming out of your mouth. Dirty jokes. And he says this is not the way that it ought to be. I remember the power of a testimony. Uh, we had uh, some people come to our church years ago, and they had just moved here. And they moved here for a position with a job in a in a company here. Um, great family. Uh, as I was getting to know them, they'd been here about four or five months. Uh, just, just a solid family, and they'd gotten a job, and how they actually came to Oakwood was they'd come to work at this company, and then someone in the company had invited them to church. It was somebody that was a member here, been a long-time member here, and I just remember uh, about four or five months later, the the, the the husband came up to me on a Sunday morning after church, said, hey, I want you to pray for me. I'm, I'm leaving this job. I'm hopefully taking another position, and, and I, you know, I was shocked because I thought it was his dream job, and he was well-paid, you know, everything was going great. He said, I just can't work in that environment anymore. And I said, well, what's the environment? He said, you know, the church member that invited me uh, to church that I work with every day, he's a completely different person at work. His language is so foul that I, I, I just can't, I can't work with him anymore. I literally can't I, I hear so many cuss words and curse words all day that it, it like is draining to my spirit. I keep trying to pray through it and work through it. I've even confronted him a couple of times, but there's there's no change. I am just making him angry, more cursing. I just can't handle it. Literally, he left his job because of that environment full of cursing. You don't think you have some influence with your tongue? And the words that come out of your mouth. Do you not think that affects your testimony in some way? The words that come out of your mouth? You know, I, one thing that uh, I just feel really convicted of in my, my own life is that I never ever want to use the Lord's name in vain. And it really breaks my heart and sometimes even gives me a little bit of righteous anger when I see things online when I watch television today because if anything shocking happens it's oh my god I mean I've heard it in the church lobby before you know hey how you doing well I had this out. oh my god that's not the way God's name is intended to be used just flippantly and I know it's a funny illustration but it's totally true I mean what if they said your name fill in the blank oh my Eric oh that's funny No, no it would get old after a while if every time something shocking happened, you guys were using my name, you know, oh my Eric. Oh my Eric, oh man. Eric this, Eric that. You know, I'm like, really? Sometimes you read it online. OMG. So people just use God's name in expressions. Good Lord. Well, good Lord. Or good God. Sometimes I just want to say, yeah, He is a good God, but are you using His name in a respectful and honoring way? Because God's name should be spoken, especially by those who are Christians, especially by those who love Him, in an honorable way and in a reverent way. Where has the fear and reverence for the Lord gone? Because I think if you were before royalty in the world, maybe you're before the king and queen of England. You wouldn't speak to them and use their name in a flippant manner. You wouldn't use it in a joke. And you wouldn't curse their name, especially in front of them. And yet we do it with the Almighty God all of the time. So we replaced the mighty God and the holy God with this casual approach. And it's one of those things, I think, that really breaks the heart of God. And and, and I think if you're here this morning, probably if you used his name in vain this week, you probably didn't mean to. You probably didn't think about how many times you say, oh my God. But maybe now you'll think about that. And think about a way that you could treat his name properly with your tongue. You know, the name of God was so revered, history states that the scribes, when they were making copies of Scripture, before there was any printing press or any way to duplicate Scripture, they would actually write the passages of the Bible out. The scribes, it says, that they would stop before they wrote the name of God in Scripture, whether that be Elohim, uh, whether, whether that be Lord God, you know, we would say in English. Anytime they came to the name of God, they would stop writing, they would go and wash their whole body their entire body, before they would come back and write the name of God. And that was just because they wanted to be clean. They wanted to be ceremonially clean. They wanted to have a right state of mind just to write His name. And yet, we would use it so flippantly today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Christian band Building 429. uh, Their name's kind of based on this scripture, Ephesians 429. It says this Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Some translations there say unwholesome. Let no unwholesome or corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Positive words. A positive spirit. And not constant negativity. Building up others as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to all of those who hear. When you vent about your boss, your friend, your ex, your kids, your parents, maybe you do that, or maybe you're one of those that does that on Facebook. Because you're angry at some grave injustice that someone has done to you. Before you send that email to the friend... Or to the family. Before you send, put it out there on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, I want you to think about what you're actually saying. Are you being positive or are you being negative? It's one of my frustrations with, with Facebook and why I'm just not a huge fan. When I go on Facebook, I see ranting and raving and anger and bragging. And that's pretty much it. If you go out there today and you want to look at all your friends' posts they will probably fall into those categories. They're either ranting or raving about something, or they're bragging about something. And it stirs up a lot of things for a lot of people. I'm just wondering why Christians don't use that more for just putting out Scripture. (laughs) Tell them what the Lord has done in your life. Tell a positive story. Give a compliment. Give a shout-out to someone. Use that. Use that power. Use that power. The same tongue that has the power to set a forest on fire. Use it for something positive. If you're not typing words that are helpful for building up others, you're not doing what Ephesians 4.29 is talking about. You're not meeting their needs. You're not giving a benefit to all those who hear. You're not speaking of God's love and example by your life. Colossians 4.6 reminds us of it too. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Always full of grace. It does not say let your conversation be always full of anger. Be always full of malice and rage. Be always full of gossip and retaliation. No, it says let your conversation be always full of grace because I think if you have your conversation be full of grace, maybe your heart would be full of grace because it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. A good test before you speak, or before you type anything is real simple and I, I've I preached this before years ago. Great little test. Three little questions. It's a good test before you speak or before you, before you type anything. Ask yourself this. Is what you're about to say true? Is it true? There's so many half-truths out there. So many falsehoods. Is just your opinion or is it actually true? The second question, is it kind? Is it kind? Are you trying to build up others according to their needs as it says in Ephesians 4.29 or is it and then the last question is, is it necessary? And when you get to that question, you'll find out, man, I don't talk near as much as I used to. I don't type and post near as much as I used to. You see, if we're going to love where we live, and we're going to be national people and attract people to Christianity, and attract people to a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we have to bridle our mouths and get them to speak the truth in love. And that needs to happen in, in our homes. it needs to happen in our schools. That needs to happen in our, our workplaces. And it needs to happen online. We should have talk that builds up and is positive rather than talk that tears down and is negative. Because I don't know how you feel, but I feel like positivity seems to be losing ground today. Everything out there is negative. And I have realized that, maybe this is just me at my stage of life, I don't want to be around negativity anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be around those people anymore. I want to love those people. I want to try to lead those people, but I don't want to hang out because it just has this tendency to bring me down. You know what I'm talking about. Those people, their glasses is always half empty and they've always had this grave injustice. And, and any time you talk to them, it's always negative. Some negative story about someone, how someone at work did them wrong and they, they didn't win this thing and they should have got this pay and they should have got this benefit and, and how they went over this situation and then someone didn't like their opinion. And, you know, it's just constantly just, all oh, just negative, negative, negative. And if you think about your life, think about this past week, where have you been? On the positive side or the negative side? Are you somebody I'd want to hang out with? Are you somebody that's like, man, I have been so negative? Because the people that you're most attracted to, the people that you want to hang out with are the positive people, aren't they? They're builders. They just build you up. Their glass is always half full. It doesn't really matter what's going on in their life. They're going to find the good in every situation. They don't have unwholesome or unworthy talk come out of their mouth. Their their mouth is always building up others. They look at situations and circumstances in life, and they're always lifters. They're always people that are going to lift you up out of the muck and the mire and set you on a path where you're viewing God the right way. Where you're striving to find your joy and your peace and your comfort in your time of need in Christ Jesus. And when you do that and you focus on Him, I think you could be positive about most anything in life. Now, I'm not saying that life's always going to be easy, that you're never going to have circumstances come up, even things out of your control, that are negative and horrible. But don't let that ruin your mouth. Don't let that control your tongue. Bring that tongue and that mouth under the Lordship of Jesus Christ to turn it back toward positivity. And recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. You see, a true Christian... Has a holy tongue, which means it's a happy tongue. It's an honest tongue. It's a humble tongue, and that characterizes true Christ followers. You see, a true Christian uses his tongue to pray for wisdom, to help those that are afflicted. They uses their tongue almost like a healing balm. That those words help heal someone, or maybe those words help backsliders be restored. A Christian uses the tongue to praise the Heavenly Father for all of His glory, for all of His grace, for all of His goodness. He uses that tongue to proclaim the gospel to others. But the reminder here from the passage from James chapter 3 is that it cannot be tamed by man. Mankind can tame all of these animals. But cannot tame the tongue. It can only be tamed when it's brought under the control of Jesus Christ, when it's yielded to God's Holy Spirit as an act of surrender. It's not trying harder, it's surrendering more. You can't do it on your own strength. You can't go home today and say, hey, I'm never gonna say a cuss word again, and on your own strength do it. No, you have to have God's power to tame the tongue, to surrender to Christ. Because here's the fact, folks. His power can make you an overcomer of anything habit, addiction, anything. Negative language, negative talk, dirty jokes, coarse joking, anything. A mind controlled by the Spirit that is not always having sinful thought patterns, which maybe sometimes start coming out of our mouth. All of that can be overcome. Through Jesus Christ. It is His strength and His power that makes the difference. And James declares this truth to us when he says that there is no human that can tame the tongue. He's absolutely right. I'm here to tell you this morning, God can. God can absolutely help you tame your tongue. And it takes a believer who will humble themselves and acknowledge that fact and then really surrender themselves to speak positive words that God has called us to speak. I said earlier, your speech reveals your heart. Your speech reveals your heart. And it's absolutely true. But I want you to know this morning that only a renewed heart can produce pure speech. Only a renewed heart can produce pure speech. So, as you're sitting here thinking back to this past week, let's just go back one week. And you think of, Everything that came out of your mouth. Maybe you're talking about another person. Maybe you're talking about a situation. Maybe you're talking to your spouse about it, to a friend about it, a co-worker. Maybe you're in a situation where you got some some bad medical news. Maybe you're in a situation where you're just under stress and pressure about a situation. Maybe it's financial. And you got caught up in the moment. And you began to sin through your words. You began to slander someone You began to gossip. You began to tell half-truths because you're trying to get people to come over to your way of thinking. And now you're here this morning, it's like, man, that is an area of my life I want to get right. That's an area of my life that I want to be characterized by pure speech. I wanna be a person that's positive. I I want people to to wanna hang around and like me because I'm a positive person, because I'm always looking in in, in favor of what God is doing. I'm always knowing that he has the power and grace to control all of my circumstances. And I'm gonna trust in him, I'm gonna trust in his ways, and his ways say that I'm supposed to bridle this tongue, that I'm supposed to get my mouth under control, that I'm supposed to be a, a positive speaker out there in the world. Guys, there's plenty of negative. Just turn on TV, watch the news tonight. Negative, 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 negative. Yeah, every once in a while they'll bait you with some warm goody-two-shoe story that'll warm your heart for about eight seconds. And then they'll go back to the negative, 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 negative. I can't think of a time in our country where everything is so negative. In our government, negative, 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 negative. negative. And maybe you're feeling like I am. You're just like to the point where I find it creeping into my life. I find it creeping into my spirit. And the fact is, is if we wanna have pure speech, we have gotta have a redeemed heart. Because it's only out of the redemption of our heart that we can yield ourselves to God and invite him in and say, Lord, change me. And I want you to notice from the scriptures today, from everything we've read, it happens from the inside out, doesn't it? It doesn't happen from the outside in, it happens from the inside out, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And maybe this morning you're you're feeling that duplicity, you're feeling the guilt that I come in here and I acknowledge God with my lips, I go to work tomorrow and have a completely different language that I use. Apostle Paul kind of writes about this in Romans 7, he would say, what a wretch of a man I am, who can save me from this life of sin? And then he would say, thank you Jesus Christ, because through his blood and through his sacrifice and through his power and through my accepting him and, and deeding my heart my life over to him and saying you are my master now you are my lord i'm going to do things your way out of that heart you can be an overcomer you may not be able to redeem this past week but this week it's brand new it starts today do you need a heart renewal and a mind renewal do you need to take that step this morning to surrender your speech to the lord and to bring that under the control of jesus christ because if you're feeling like me this morning, maybe perhaps it's time that all of our tongues would call upon the Lord and would pray this from Psalm 1914. Psalm 1914, it says this, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer.